0: Hello, readers. My name is Jason Jeffries, and this is a bookend brought to you by Explore Booksellers, Aspen, Colorado's trusted community bookstore. Wherever you are in the world, it is always good to explore. My guest today is Peter C. Baker. His writing has appeared in The Guardian, The New York Review of Books, The New Yorker, the New York Times Magazine, and others. His new novel is Planes, which is published by our friends at Alfred A. Knopf. Peter, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. Hi. Hey, it's an honor to have you here. And first, Peter, uh, a question I asked several authors who have appeared on this program in the last couple of years. Uh, how have the last two or three years been treating you? You know...
1: They've actually not been that bad for me personally. It's strange to say Um, the outbreak of the pandemic probably gave me the kick I needed to, I almost hesitate to say it, finish this novel Mm -hmm. and also had my first child. My wife and I had our first child um, a few months into the pandemic. And so we've been busy at home and we've been lucky in that way.
0: Yeah, well, uh, congratulations. And I think similarly, um, not much changed for me. And that's been the strangest part of the pandemic is that my routine has stayed exactly the same while I've seen it uh, change for so many others. But um, congratulations on your kit,
1: Peter. Thank you. I had to learn how to write at home instead of writing in coffee shops. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. And now (laughs) it's harder for me to write in coffee shops now, even now when it feels somewhat more possible. Uh, yeah, I've, I've, I've changed. I've been yeah. changed.
0: Right, right on. Well, thank you, Peter. Um, Let's now dive into this excellent novel, Plains. Um, you open by writing about your character, and would you pronounce that Amira or Amira? Let's do Amira. Let's do Amira. So you open by writing about your character, Amira, and she works in a jewelry and clothing shop and all of the stores regulars know her she you write is a part of the place tell me peter about how these shops uh, where employees are a part of the place differ from shops where the staff blend in or even where customers are a part of the place i'm thinking of like norm from cheers uh, how are these places different than say big box stores or stores where the staff try to remain anonymous
1: Oh, interesting question. The thinking for me about Amira and the jewelry store mm-hmm. was that to anyone who was a regular there, there would be certain almost fixtures of the store that if they were calling the store up in their mind would come to mind. There's the, the rack of dresses over there. There's the jewelry display and there's Amira. She's always there.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I wasn't thinking about it too much. I, I'm I'm guessing that you're coming at this a bit from the uh, the independent bookstore angle, and mm-hmm. I of course love independent bookstores where you uh, know the staff and can have individual relationships and get recommendations that feel like they're coming from an actual person's personality and coming to your personality as an actual person, and there might be some of that going on with the mirror at the jewelry store, but it's almost, it's almost, it's almost the opposite. Uh, it's almost about her being a part of the place, like just another piece of it blending in to the background and priming, priming the reader by saying that, or, you know, on page one or two or wherever it is, mm-hmm. uh, you know, there are these things and people that become the, background of our lives that we pass by every day on the way to work or on the bus or wherever and every single person is a whole universe is a whole story is a whole pile of stories and so just just setting up that that dynamic here's here's a person who may be who may be in the background and who you know the book is set is in some ways a, a post 9/11 war on terror story but i think my hope was that it, it doesn't conform to a lot of people's first expectations about uh, what a story in that genre or on that topic will look like. And it's taking these pieces that are in the background or at the margins and, and, and moving them to the center.
0: Right, thank you, Peter. Um, and then soon after this, uh, you tell us that um, Amira does not cook for pleasure, uh, but because a person has to eat to stay alive. Uh, what Peter does this tell us about Amira's uh, class and background that she chooses uh, not to, or isn't able to, cook for pleasure? Well, she's—I she, think she's
1: technically able to. She's mm-hmm. she she knows how to cook, and there's a quite a, there's a somewhat elaborate cooking scene. Mm. Later that indicates so it's not so much a question of her knowledge, but at the beginning uh, of the novel where this this passage pops up about uh not cooking for pleasure but eating to stay alive, she doesn't
0: mm.
1: she's not interested in or inclined to be taking pleasure from food because of the situation that her that her life is in mm. um, which Mm. that her husband is not at home with her but is being held um, under sort of murky secretive conditions in a secret prison in Morocco and Mm. with him gone and his fate up in the air the idea of simple daily pleasures is complicated for her So she doesn't doesn't want to cook and take pleasure from food because it's painful to to do that with her husband uh, gone.
0: Yeah, right, thank you, Peter. And we'll talk more about her husband later. Uh, For now, um, about Amira's mother, you write that she, Amira, calls her parents and tries to be interested in her mother's compulsive summaries of all of her latest neighborhood gossip. Peter, my question is, what is going on here and why do people do this? I have to tell you, sometimes I will be speaking with a relative of mine and they just start telling me about all these people I don't know and their ailments and how their kids are doing or how they're getting into trouble. And I have no idea what they're talking about. Um, Why, Peter, do people do this? Do you know people who do this? And what does this characteristic tell us about Amir's mother?
1: I know people who do it. I probably do it myself. I think, Charitably, the the charitable explanation is Mm -hmm. that it is essentially a form of talking about the weather. It's a way Mm -hmm. of talking and sort of acknowledging the shared coexistence and shared humanness without necessarily doing anything too deep or difficult. Mm -hmm. And in the case of um, Amira and her mother, it has to do with her mom's difficulty in sort of facing directly the situation that her daughter and her daughter's husband are in. Um, mm-hmm. The idea of facing it directly is probably kind of terrifying to her. So mm-hmm. uh, talk about the neighborhood gossip and who got sick and whose kid is doing what is a, a refuge that she runs to sort of nervously.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And elsewhere, and then elsewhere in the novel, cooking serves a similar function. She's people are over to visit, and she's not spending time with them. She's just cooking and cooking and cooking.
0: Right. Thank you, Peter. Um, the character Elena, who works with Amira, uh, is cheerful, but you write easily overwhelmed by surprises. What does this mean to be easily overwhelmed by surprises? Oh.
1: I don't know, she's she's a small business owner. She owns this jewelry and clothing store. And she, mm-hmm. on one hand, I think she's a, re- a relatively minor character, but I have, as I spent 10 years working on the novel, I mm-hmm. have thought about her quite a bit, mm-hmm. <laughs> despite despite how minor she is. Mm-hmm. And I think she enjoys being the owner and sort of sole proprietor, the boss of the small business that is an expression of her Identity, but she does not have much of an appetite at all, or tolerance for all of the million unexpected daily things that come along with mm-hmm. uh, a job like that, where pipes break and shipments are delayed and checks bounce and etc. And mm-hmm. that's just the the human condition. She's found herself in. There's a job that she. That she likes and and is ill suited for at the same time which happens
0: sure does uh do you think anyone who is overwhelmed by surprises um easily overwhelmed should be a small business owner
1: i would guess not i mean i there's all kinds of small businesses i think as i found out uh during the pandemic technically i am a small business yeah in in the business of writing but that's. The prospect of uh, all of the uncertainties and ups and downs that go into that, Mm. bringing other people into that orbit, uh, payroll and things like that is quite terrifying to me. I know it would be beyond me, and I'm I'm glad I don't do it.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. Thank you so much, Peter. Listeners, we're going to take a short break here for a word from our sponsor, and then I will be right back. With Peter C. Baker. The Book and Podcast is brought to you by Libro FM Audiobooks. Libro FM allows you to buy audiobooks directly through your favorite local independent bookstore like Explore Booksellers. You continue to put money back into your local economy and help local bookstores thrive. Please navigate to Libro.fm and enter the promo code BOOKIN, that's B-O-O-K-I-N, in the promo code space to get one free audiobook and support your local independent bookstores in the process. I'm back with Peter C. Baker, author of Planes, which is published by our friends at Alfred A. Knopf. Peter, um, I told you we would get back to Amira's husband. Uh, What is going on with Amira's husband? Where is he and what has happened to him?
1: Well, it's a bit of a mystery and it's revealed sort of slowly and incompletely as the book progresses. But I don't Mm -hmm. think it's giving away too much to say that he is being held in a secret prison of some kind that's located in Morocco and why he's being held there and on whose authority and et cetera. Uh, these are things for the, for the reader to find out. Um, but the, the important thing is uh, that his wife at home who were experiencing about half the story through her perspective, you know, she has no idea when he's coming back, there's been no charges brought against him. There's no indication that charges will be brought against him. And she's in this; they both are in this, uh, you know, horrible suspended state.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And Peter, why is so much information in his letters redacted? Is this common practice in Morocco where he's being held, um, or in the country where his mail is being sent to, or both?
1: Yeah, I think it, I feel fairly confident saying it's pretty common practice in any sort of secretive prison regime. Mm-hmm. And certainly in the post 9 uh, 11 rendition and torture network and the, the prisons that make up these post 9 11 prison systems. Mm-hmm. Um, redaction of letters for all kinds of reasons The the notional reason that's always given is for the protection of secrets security Mm. secrets but in practice it's been shown time and time again it's deployed obviously for other reasons that could all fall under the heading of just cruelty right they're deployed Mm. to intentionally make the letters less communicative uh, to make them more confusing um Yeah, to sort of turn them into something other than what we think of as a letter. It's a document from one person to another. It's the insertion of this mechanism of power between the two people. By by the authority or authorities, whoever that is.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And Peter, would this ever happen in the USA? Does anything ever get redacted here?
1: You know I'm not I can't speak to that with confidence, but I can't speak to that with confidence but uh, I would not be surprised to learn that it's yeah going somewhat common I, I yeah, know that there's all kinds of barrier of similar barriers put in place to communications in and out of prisons, whether it takes specifically the form of redaction um, mm-hmm. I'm less sure about how often that happens
0: yeah i definitely i'm not sure about letters but you see it in um government records and things of that nature all the right. time right um, Right. yeah well thank you peter uh when Amira sees amira sorry sees her neighbors or when they see her there are always questions about her husband's situation, requests for updates, etc. Are these neighbors nosy, or are they just making small talk? And is this kind of poking around for information ever really helpful to anyone?
1: I think, you know, we were talking about, about small talk before, and there's, Mm -hmm. there's more and less charitable interpretations. And, and accounts and mm-hmm. I think probably among Amira's neighbors, it's a mix of some kind of genuine concern or curiosity, but mm-hmm. running along you know a spectrum to gawking, uh, pity, mm-hmm. sort of feeling good by feeling bad, mm-hmm. and is there ever an excuse for? I don't know. People can't help it, can they?
0: Right, absolutely not. Well, thank you, Peter. Um, one thing that strikes me is that in reference to uh, Amira's husband's situation, Amira says there can be no trial because there are no charges. Uh, when does this happen, Peter? When there can be no trial because there are no charges? What situations? have uh happened out there in the world where someone is being detained but there can be no trial because there are no charges
1: well it's been a very common feature unfortunately of Mm -hmm. of the post 9 11 uh, of these detention scenarios that are that were that were cooked up in the post 9 11 era Mm -hmm. uh, whether in cia run black sites abroad or people being held in Guantanamo Bay or people being shipped off by America to uh, sort of rough dungeons in, Mm. run by our ally countries. Mm. And, you know, the, the point isn't to bring charges and charges aren't brought and there's no trial and it, you know, it's a, it's a nightmare. It's a, a legal nightmare. It's a moral nightmare. It's just a nightmare.
0: Yeah, for sure. Thank you, Peter. Um, finally, uh, and listeners, we've barely touched upon the surface of this book, uh, but I don't want to spoil anything for you. And if we get too far, there will be lots of spoilers. But finally, Peter, I have a question about millennials. Um, because Peter, there is a scene where Amira and her husband make a routine of drinking cappuccinos in the evening, which is frowned upon by Italians who consider cappuccinos to be morning beverages. Uh, when her husband is detained, Amira keeps this um, routine up of drinking cappuccinos in the evening. She says she knows she needs to save money but keeping the routine going is important to her. This reminds me of people saying that millennials can't buy houses because they buy too many lattes or what have you. Right. Um, my question, Peter, is, is a coffee habit really the path to financial ruin? Uh, and would everyone be in much better shape for their retirements and such if they ceased their consumption of cappuccinos? I, I'm
1: I'm firmly in the... Uh in in the no camp on that mm-hmm. i don't think uh coffee habits or avocado toast or mm-hmm. anything else are to blame for uh problems of sort of housing security among among younger people mm-hmm. uh, big bigger forces at play for sure
0: yeah what do you think the problem is as someone who um I've looked at houses in other towns and such, and you you just can't find anywhere to live. Uh, what do you think the problem is?
1: Well, it's certainly <laughs> not my area of expertise, but from what I've gathered from reading the, at the heart of the problem is uh, the fact that there are not enough. There are literally not enough places to live that exist or are being built in places where people want. For very good reasons, want to live. Yeah. Uh, so people have a desire to make their lives in certain parts of the country because of conditions, their economic conditions and otherwise, and there are simply not enough places to live. And there's many explanations for that. Um, I think one of which is the nefarious role of sort of private equity in the housing market and another is probably overly restrictive zoning regulations mm. but this is very much um not fortunately it's not a, not a novelist job to to figure these things out yet
0: yeah yeah and houses in my neighborhood are uh, selling like hot cakes but they're selling to people who just want to rent the houses out for uh, airbnb and things of that nature well right, right yes some very
1: very disturbing percentage i can't remember it exactly but uh very disturbing percentage of all uh, dwellings, you know, including uh, apartments, houses, whatever that were sold in America last year, went to mm. private equity firms. Yeah, that just wanted to rent them, and it's I, I can't imagine that that's a good yeah. thing.
0: Well, what a shame. Hopefully, uh, Amira keeps up that cappuccino routine. Then, as we now know that. Well, is yes. Not. Thank you, Peter, and thank you for writing this wonderful book. Listeners, I've been speaking with Peter C. Baker, author of Planes, which is published by our friends at Alfred A. Knopf. Peter, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, Jason. Once again, I would like to thank Peter C. Baker for joining me. Copies of Planes can be ordered from www. ExploreBooksellers.com. I would also like to thank our sponsor Libro FM audiobooks. Please navigate over to Libro.fm and enter the promo code BOOKIN, that's B-O-O-K-I-N, in the promo code space to get one free audiobook and support your favorite, local, independent bookstore in the process. My name is Jason Jefferies, and this has been Bookin'.